Hello and welcome back to the British Island in the Early Middle Ages podcast. This is episode 58, Drowned, Downed and Assassinated. Before we begin, I'd like to say thank you to all of you listening and hello to all of my new listeners. The podcast wasn't doing very well a few, a few weeks ago, but the last episode was really successful. My best week ever. This week's episode and next week's episode may have lower audio quality than usual. I'm on holiday and have been able to bring my microphone, but it's connected to my phone instead of my computer. This means I can't apply any post-processing or edit the podcast as much. I'm also currently recording on a dresser, so that doesn't help. Hopefully this won't be notable. Now let's get into the episode. On Aid's death in 819, Conchobar, one of Donchad's sons, became the High King of Ireland. We saw Conchobar last week when he was imposed as High King as King of half of the Southern O'Neill. He was imposed in his position by Aid, and one of his brothers was given the other half. Eventually his brother died and Conchobar became the king of the entirety of the Southern O'Neill. Anyways, in 820, Aid's cousin, King Marchad of the Northern O'Neill, attacked his southern counterpart. The battle was prevented by the intervention of the clergy, but this didn't stop Conchbar from doing a bit of raiding. Marchad then secretly added the Sil Aedis slain. On finding out, Conchbar attacked the prospective rebels. Unprepared for war, the rebels were defeated and Conchbar slaughtered their leaders on the 1st of November 822. In 830, his brother was killed by Leinster. In response to this, Conchbar raided Leinster. However, there was no record of any battle. This may have been because of another growing concern for Conchbar, increased Viking attacks. This was mainly centred between the rivers Boyne and Liffey, and may have acted as an incentive for the Irish to stop fighting with each other as much. Just kidding, that would never happen. Anyways, in 833, Conchbar died. That provides the perfect opportunity for us to talk about the Northern O'Neill. Merchard seems to have escaped Conchbar's 822 slaughter. However, that did not mean he was going to stay on the throne for long. The following year, he was deposed by Niall Cal, Aid's son. Following Conchbar's death, Niall took the High Kingship. You may be noticing a pattern at this point. The High King always cycles between the Kennelly O'Gain, the dominant Tuatha in the Northern O'Neill, and the Clan Charlemagne, the dominant Tuatha in the Southern O'Neill. This will remain the pattern until the late 10th century and Bride Boru, who was King of a Munster. However, that's the story for next week's episode, or maybe the episode after that. Right now, Niall was High King. In 833, he defeated a Viking army raiding Derry. A few years later, in 835, he imposed a client king in Leinster. In 840, he defended his client king from a rival claimant at the Battle of Math Oxshire. He followed that up by raiding the lands of said claimant. In 845, he defeated another Viking band in battle at Mag Ifa. One year later, he, he drowned in the River Clan. We'll see this happen a few times in this episode, usually as punishment. As such, I'd like to point out that, in this case, it appears to have merely been an accident during a river crossing. Niall may not have been able to swim, and definitely would have been unable to do so wearing the heavy armour expected of a king.
841, the first Viking ship ports were established in Dublin and Lindo Kale. There's a lot to unpack in this. Firstly, what was a ship port? Well, a ship port was the main method of Viking settlement in Ireland. Unlike the English or the Scottish, the Irish were very good at resisting the Vikings and attacking their land. This meant the Vikings couldn't really just settle in the countryside. They'd instantly get pushed out. Instead, they had to make their bases behind walls. Ship ports offer bases of Viking raiders and traders, shielding them from the Irish whose land they were plundering. Ship ports, particularly Dublin, were also bases of the slave trade. The next question we have to ask is what effects did the ship ports have? Well, as we already talked about, they offered shelter to raiders and traders. They also moved raiders further south, allowing Vikings to plunder the Midlands with as much ease as they had previously enjoyed plundering more northerly parts of Ireland. This proved a challenge to the authority of the southern Neil, who were finding it harder and harder to defend their heartlands. One effect this did not have was that of the isolating the Vikings. We'll begin to see the Norse-Irish, culturally mixed peoples, that descended from both the Vikings and the native Irish. The annals refer to the Norse-Irish as a wholly separate group, getting involved in wars like any other independent power. This shows that they were not tied to either their Norse or Irish identities, and certainly not bottled up in ship ports. We'll talk about this later on in the episode. The final question we must ask is, where were the ship ports built? Well, Dublin and Lindon Kale were both founded in 841. Both of these were in the Midlands, with Dublin being in a particularly advantageous position due to its deep harbour. That's where it gets its name from. Dublin derives its name from the words Black and Paul, which is describing its harbour. Further ship ports were built in Cork in 846 and Waterford in 850. These are all some of the biggest towns in modern Ireland. Cork is especially important as it sees the Vikings beginning to move further afield onto the southern coast of Ireland. Further ship ports will be built at Limerick, Wexford and a bunch of other places. Two were even found in quite far England, Loch Ree on the centre of modern Ireland and Loch Nee around the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland. Both were lined supplied by river and were deep into Irish lands. Mayor of Sechnail became king of the Southern O'Neill after killing his brother, Flan. I'm going to go with 845 as I can find more sources pointing to that. Following his accession, he captured a Viking warlord named Turgais and drowned him in Loch Owl. Following Nial's death in 846, he gained the high kingship of Ireland. A few years later, in 848, he defeated a Viking army with the help of the new king of Munster, Ulchobar. The following year, the two sacked Dublin. This began a period of instability for not only the Vikings, but also the native Irish. A fleet of 140 ships arrived from Dublin. The fleet was, and I quote, of the household of the king of the foreigners, and came to enforce his power over the foreigners who were already there, and they threw the entirety of Ireland into confusion. So, this shows the arrival of the troops of a Scandinavian king, though not the king in person, who appears to be, have been trying to oppose his own rule over Dublin. This ruler was likely Norwegian, and this event may have something to do with an even bigger disruption that would come a few years later. In 850, Mail faced a problem of his own. One of his vassals rebelled. The Irish Annals record the following. Mm-hmm. 
Kinaid Mac Cunyag rebelled against Mael Sechnael by the virtue of the power of foreigners and planted the O'Neill from the Shannon to the sea. There are a few things we have to unpack here. Firstly, Kinaid means Kenneth and I'll be calling him as such from here on because I'm not particularly good with Celtic names and I've already done the same for Kenneth McAlpin. With the rest of the names, there's not a direct correlation in the same way, and it's not used as commonly. Another thing we have to talk about is the foreigners, as you likely deduce the foreigners were Vikings, with the same word being used in the first quote. What this shows us is that the Vikings were beginning to be integrated into internal Irish politics. Coalition against the High King were a thing we've seen time and time again. Anyways, Mel was able to put down the rebellion in 851 and drowned Kenneth Around the same time, another fleet of Vikings arrive. The Annals of Ulster record the arrival of the Dark Heathens in Dublin. These Dark Heathens slaughtered the fair foreigners of Dublin before moving on to Lind Ducal, where they were less successful. What do these terms mean? Well, the fair foreigners include the established population, thus we can consider them to be the Norwegians, otherwise known as the Norse. The Dark Heathens were likely the Danes. What we see here is quite a turbulent period for Dublin. Firstly, we saw a Norwegian king enforcing his power over Dublin. Then some Danes arrived and slaughtered the people there. These people were likely the men of the Norwegian king. Thus hinting about a conflict back in Scandinavia between a Danish king and a Norwegian one. We also see a new figure emerging among the Vikings of Dublin, Olaf. Olaf was probably of Norse origin, with the Irish Annals naming him as the son of the king of Lochlan. Lochlan is the name they gave to Norway. However, Norway wouldn't exist until 872, so Olaf was probably just the son of a powerful Norwegian king. Anyways, Olaf arrived in 853 and was given hostages by the Vikings and tribute by the Irish, including male. In 854, male invaded Munster and took hostages likely to assert his authority after being forced to pay tribute to a Viking king. He invaded Munster again two years later, again likely to assert his authority. That same year, 856, war broke up between Mel and the Vikings. Mel was supported by the Norse Irish, however the Annals of Ulster don't record the result of the battle. In 858, Mel again defeated Munster and took hostages. The Annals of Ulster give us quite a bit of detail about this event. Sitchale, son of Mel Royanid, came to the men of Ireland in to the lands of Munster and halted for ten nights at Neam, and he plundered them to the south as far as the sea. After their kings had been defeated at Carnlund, that Mel Tron, son of Merdach, king of the Daisy, being left dead there. Mel then took hostages of Mumu from Belat Gebrained, Innis to Bray off the Irish coast, and from Dun Kermer to Art Erthir. Here, he is recorded as taking tribute from multiple kings. This may indicate Mel bypassing the central authority of the king of Munster. In 859, he held a royal assembly at Rowler. Here, he brought Osage more directly under his rule. The following year, he invaded the northern O'Neill. He was ambushed by Aid Findlaith, the king of the Kenilio gang. This ambush didn't work, and Aid ended up defeated. However, he wasn't going to quit trying um, to prematurely assert his power as high king. In 
861, he allied the Vikings and invaded the southern O'Neill. Mel defeated the Vikings and he fled back north. The following year, he had allied the Vikings again. However, Mel died of old age, old age before aid could beat him. This did lead to Abe becoming High King, so things worked out in the end. In 864, he blinded a neighbouring king for attacking his nephew. He also attacked and defeated Ulaid at the Battle of Uriel. In 866, hostilities broke out between Aid and the Vikings. Aid came up victorious and destroyed all of the Viking settlements in Northern Ireland, from Donegal to Antrim. A few years later, he faced a rebellion from his nephew, the one he had previously defended. Ungrateful loss or not, the nephew was defeated. In 870, Aid raided Leinster. Sorry if this feels like a bullet point list. I'm relying on the annals, which are basically just bullet point lists anyway. There's only so much you can infer. In 861, he killed one of the co-kings of Ulaid to forestall a rebellion. Eight years later, he died. As I said, all I have is a bullet point list. Aid was succeeded as High King by Flan Sinner, Mael's son. Flan had gained the southern Union kingship in 877 after assassinating his predecessor. In 880, he took hostages from Leinster before plundering it. Two years later, he raided the northern O'Neill as well as Munster. We don't hear much of note until 888 when he was defeated by the Dublin Norse in battle. This caused the northern O'Neill to try to seize the high kingship. However, Flan was able to defeat them in 889. Ten years later, his son, Melrianid, revolted. Flan defeated him only to face another rebellion from another son, Donchad. Flan was able to defeat him too. A few years later, earlier, in 900, he was able to force Connaught to submit to him. In 907, he, defeated, he was defeated by Munster. However, ever the survivor, he killed their king in battle on the 16th of August, 808, 908. He died on the 25th of May, 916, aged 68. you all for listening. Remember to follow me on Twitter where I'm at with Pod. Please also follow the Twitter for my upcoming podcast from Finland to the Volga. That's at Finland to Volga. We also have a community Discord server which will be linked in the description. If you want to support the show you can make a monthly donation via Patreon for as little as $1 a month or one after donation via PayPal. Both help me keep producing these episodes every week so every supporter has my deepest thanks. If you don't have money to spare or just don't want to donate, please leave a review for the show via our podcast or wherever else you can. Listener feedback is always really motivating and positive reviews also help more people find the show. Please also tell your family and friends what you think about the show if you think they'd be interested. If I've got anything wrong or just want to give me some feedback, you can email me at historyofbritishisles at gmail.com. Big thank you to all my patrons and in particular my two Duke slash Duchess tier patrons, Anita Cardoni and Stephen Reinish. Thank you all for listening and goodbye.